Welcome, everyone. This is the Model Mindset with your boy, Brian and John. Today, today is a very special day because we have our first guest. And I am fortunate enough because I went to high school with him. We got to know each other working Tony's Landscaping. Shout out to junior and senior Tony Campanelli. And through there, you know, we became friends in high school. And then we went our separate ways. Um, you know, we both went to college. And then through our mutual friends, Mike and Katie, we became close. And, you know, even when you moved out to California, we still remained close. And when you met, uh, moved to Memphis, same thing, man. I mean, we, we care about each other, care about each other's families, um, our, our growth as people. And so I personally want to say thank you because when I, in 2018, when I was, um, Think about becoming a certified personal trainer. You were one of the biggest motivating factors for me. So I first want to say thank you. And I'm going to introduce everyone in the world to Mr. Chris Chase. Thank you. Wow. How are you, buddy? What an intro, dude. Right, right, right. Is that written down? Is that, yeah. is that, on, is that off the rip? That's freestyle? That's a little bit of honored. I'm honored to, to be talking with you guys, man. This is cool. Yeah. I think, uh, like you said, um, I remember many a phone conversation uh, going through, you know, just talking about uh, a journey or taking a, a step in a different direction and pursuing a passion and you know, I think I've been lucky to to be able to do that. And uh, I know everybody like at that time, I think, you know, you went back into the workforce and maybe that wasn't yeah. the right time or getting into the right thing. And I see and feel like the struggle of, of folks who aren't able to do it and they're stuck in that rat race. And like, it's cool to see you, you know, jumping out into that space and that new journey and pursuing something that I think is is really meant for you. Thanks, man. Thanks. I appreciate yeah. it. And honestly, it, it's kind of getting that over that fear barrier. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah. so yeah. for people that don't know you, Chris, can you give a background on yourself and in your journey so everyone can kind of feel like, oh, right, this is this is Mr. Chris Chase here. <laughs> uh, sure. I don't know if it warrants such a, you know, like a notorious sort of intro, but uh, <laughs> yeah, man, I mean, I think I'll, I'll hit some of the high notes like like that are familiar and you know between the two of us or that we that we share and and like you said going to high school and being from uh and both of us being from Enfield Connecticut and and growing up there and and I think becoming close over years that you know through kind of high high school post high school and like weird years through college kind of coming back home and just these sort of interspersed moments of being able to hang going, you know, uh, whether it's at Mike and Katie's in the summertime or, you know, you traveling shit down to Atlanta when I worked for the Hawks and, and that's awesome. It's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and that's been, uh, so my, you know, you've kind of been there along this whole journey and I guess the journey has been like, you know, I was lucky to, to dive into to college as well and not really knowing what I wanted to do and kind of wandering around in, in the, I was a pharmacy major initially and I was wow. realized like, man, this is like, you know, I just wanted to do it because somebody told me I can make six figures out of college. It's, it was, uh, I forget his, I for, I'm going to forget this teacher, but you would know him, somebody from Enfield high school, but 
he, you know, he was like, yeah, like pharmacy major was like, oh, you can make a hundred grand coming out of school. And I was like, oh, okay. Like that's your motivation at the time. Oh yeah. Get into it, work retail pharmacy. I'm going to make this, you know, a, a long story long, <laughs> but <laughs> like, I think, you know, relevant here. Cause like talking about passions, like I didn't, you know, that wasn't my passion whatsoever. You know, like the pharmacy was, it was kind of retail pharmacy. Like I worked at Rite Aid in Enfield and over the, like this summer, and I was like, man, this is just not it. And changed my major to what I thought was a passion too, which I think still is, is, is just education and like going to school to be like a, a high school science teacher. And science was, that was like the, probably the one subject I was like, ah, maybe got a good handle on this. And I do like the teaching piece. And then like just in the midst of like searching through the major book like of choices at UConn looked at this thing called exercise science. It was like under the kinesiology umbrella and was like, Oh, this is, this is interesting. I still like to train. Like that is, that is one of, has been one of my passions since I've been a teenager. It was like, Oh, like this is, what is this? What, what job do you have? If you major in this, I didn't even know what a strength coach was. And I didn't even know us at a school that was like very, you know, kind of renowned for strength and conditioning and exercise science, all these things. And so I met with somebody to be like, well, what do you do with this? Like if you go into exercise science and they talked about being a, a strength and conditioning coach and I was like, oh, this is interesting because this is division one athletics and you would work with, with players and it's like, oh, you're yeah. not really like a personal trainer. Like this is high level stuff. And so it was like this, you know, this just interesting, like, I don't even know what this is, but like, let me dive into this because instead of going through education, I was in that program for like half a year, changed my major again. And then I'm diving into like, you know, UConn football interning as a strength coach. It was like very wow. like weird. Like, what year was that? That's, I mean, I graduated in uh, 2009. <laughs> um, yeah, so were you like I, a junior or a sophomore? Or? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was probably, I think that was my third year because I took a victory lap. I had that year five. Uh, okay. changing, okay. my, changing my major yeah. like yeah. twice. So, so uh, that was probably my third year that I like started in this like interning. And that was like the thing. It's like you get plugged in because it's, it's a lot of practical stuff. So like you're taking your anatomy, phys, like biomechanics classes and like the science sh- stuff. Can I swear on this? Are we you swearing? Swear, Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All those fucking classes. And, uh, and, and then you, they plug you into like interning with mainly football because football needs the help. So if you can like, if you can handle it, like if you can be in there and function in this high tension, crazy environment, then they're like, all right, like just, you know, cause we need, they just need bodies cause there's so many people. So so then it, it, then you're cruising, like, then I'm into this and I'm like, oh, okay, like, this is cool. Like, this is what I want to do. Um, start. So that, that passion, did that passion kind of spark there when you got that first taste? Yeah. It, yeah. It's interesting. Like I, I, I don't know. It didn't cat. It definitely, cause football was the main thing. And I started to realize quickly, like once the novelty wore off that I didn't want to work football. And because, and it's a weird thing because everyone wants to get plugged into football and like, that's where a lot of money is. Like these coaches get paid over half half college strength coaches, football strength coaches get paid like half a million dollars a year now. 
Wow. So like oh, that, that is like, you know, you're trying to shoot for that. But I was like, man, this is just like, not the environment They I can't really be me. It's, it's weird. You have to play this character. It's like a lot of these coaches are very like, uh, it's almost like world wrestling federation. Like you're just like, you're playing a character. That's not really you. Cause you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're a motivator, you know, you're not, there's not a lot of intricacies and like science based, you know, pr- uh, application in, in football. Cause it's just, so fast paced, it's just gritty. It's just like squat bench deadlift. Let's go, let's get through, put weight on. So getting out of that, like having that experience, the passion to your point, like it didn't hit quickly. I knew I liked strength and conditioning. I was like, okay, cool. Like if I can make a living out of this, this would be great. Like I don't want the office jobs. Like that was my parents. I know they hated their jobs. You know, I just, that was the, what was in my mind that I was trying to find something that I didn't feel that way. I don't know what that means, but like this sounded like, okay, this is the thing that can get me out of like whatever my parents didn't like about their careers or being stuck in a cubicle, et cetera. So, you know, and I don't mean to interrupt you or anything, but I find that super fascinating because it's almost like for me, it was the opposite because I viewed my father, he was like in corporate America and I view like that was like success. But the way you saw it, you saw like the unhappiness and you're like, I am not going to follow that, which I respect, man, because it's like, you know, it, it's it's tough to pick up on sometimes. And you were able to pick up on that. I give you a lot of credit. No, I mean, it, you're yeah, like in all seriousness, it is something that like changing majors was this weird process, like going through undergrad. It was like, you know, what am I going to do with my life type thing, knowing that like I was really scared about getting into that corporate space and just diving into the to the cubicle and and there you go that's it you know just because that's what I saw that was just like okay work you know <clears throat> excuse me you might be working for retirement and working for the weekends and and that's it it's like ah there's got to be more at least you know if the job is taking up such a big chunk of your life you know there has to be some joy or not has to be, but like, wouldn't it be nice if there's some joy from it? If you spend eight hours a day and now with like this job, it's like it's 24 seven during the season, there has to be some enjoyment there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that makes sure, nice, man. So what was your next stop after UConn, man? Where did, where did you head to after that? <clears throat> yeah. So, uh, so grad school, I uh, went to Springfield college. So then to your point to finish that up, that's kind of where the passion hit. Cause like Springfield colleges in Massachusetts is, is like a cool space for strength and conditioning. They're, they're known and have a history of like randomly, like not many schools, you know, there's not many like strength and conditioning oriented schools. And now there are like more programs that focus on that track to, to kind of get into athletics or team sports. Um, so they were unique in that they've been doing this for a while and they, they make it very practical. So like when you go to Springfield, they, allow you to or they give you teams on your own so then you are an actual wow. strength coach <clears throat> a, a head strength coach essentially for like for me I had football for my second year so as much as I like didn't want it's you know it's funny from UConn it's like okay I have this like weird taste in my mouth for football but once I was able to kind of you know novel concept right but once you once I was able to be in that powerful position without the thinking I'm an intern and having some of the anxiety that comes with that, where it's like, Oh, these guys aren't really listening to me. Like I'm just kind of this random person. 
Instead, it's like, you're the guy, like you can do your own programming. And then it's like, oh, okay. Like when I have some skin in the game, when I have, yeah, when I have some skin in the game, it feels much better. And it was cool because like Springfield is like, there's a big group of that are in this grad program because of the popularity of it. So then you have the help from all these other people. So it was cool where you're like, oh, this like group think of people that are also trying to learn and they're also passionate about it. So it's like not like controversial or not polarizing or not animosity there. It was really like, oh, we kind of all love this shit. And it's like working out. So like, it's, what are we doing? Like, we're just, we right. love to train. This is not so serious. Like they'll pay us for this. Like we can just <laughs> out here yeah. and like, had this football team come in here. And those were like the funnest times, honestly, I had. Now I wouldn't want to work football probably again, but like it's such a time commitment. It's crazy. Like I said, I don't want to play character, but in that, like Springfield College is like kind of gritty. It's D3, it's New England. Like it lives that vibe. And yeah. so like D3 dudes are playing it without like getting scholarships. It's all passion. You know? Oh yeah, right. it's all passion. Yeah, oh, yeah. exactly. Yeah playing for passion and like those those dudes like exude the classic new england tough vibe and so they'll do anything you know it's like yeah the vibe in there was super cool for that for that year so anyway go through that program and then so i get a, a master's degree it's this fo exercise science with focus in strength and conditioning and, and i interned during that time at uh ucla and, and usc so out in California, like that was formative during that time to like go out to California and live there for a summer, like love, fell in love with that and dying to get back there was lucky to be able to live there for a few years after school. But those internships at SC, like it's crazy. Um, Cause you know, do you know Tim Karen? Uh, I know of him. Yeah. So, well, he got into strength and conditioning. He, you know, we keep in touch. We get connected. He is a coach at USC. And, you know, that's the hookup to to get out there for the internship, which ends up turning into a job a year after that, after I took a stop in University of Rhode Island. So after school, get a first coaching job at URI. That was great. It's D1 school, but super small staff, terribly paying job. What uh, so <laughs> sport was, was that at URI? So your eyes, like the way they do it at like those schools, like if you have, you know, they got a million sports, like a lot of schools and you have three strength coaches. We had two and a half, really two full time, wow. one part time. And like the weight, the first job I go from USC, which is a like a $70 million weight room that they just built. Um, ridiculous funding to URI, which we were working out of a weight room in like a, a converted classroom. So they blew out the walls in between. And they like, you know, racks and platforms in there. Your desk is like somebody's cleaning and like they're, you're doing work on a desk that's essentially right underneath them. Like it was, wow. it was weird. And then we would take them, the auxiliary weight room was like up a hallway into the side room that again, they just threw some equipment in and it was like, okay, these are your facilities for like a division one school. So like that was 10, you know, that's 10 years ago. And like things have changed drastically in this space where like now money gets like really thrown at like training facilities and stuff like that. But at that time, now I sound old, but like at that time, like it was very new to like get a big facility. So, so that was good for a year. And then a job opened up at SC and hit that job for three years 
living in California was awesome. That was, that was cool for that period of time. Like in your twenties, like early mid twenties to like, well, mid late twenties, I guess, uh, to like hang out there for a little while. Um, and then my, just my buddy, one of my buddy who, you know, talk about like networking and relationships and getting to know people in your passion. One of my buddies who is actually from, uh, Rhode Island, and we had met like long ago in New England through some mutual friends and training. He had gotten the job in the NBA and you had met, you met him when you came down to yeah. Atlanta. Mike, Great guy. Uh, he showed me his uh, Warriors uh, championship ring. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Right. So yeah. it's actually excellent, excellent context to this story where he worked for the, you know, he got into the NBA through a mutual friend networking and, and got a job as a strength coach for the Golden State Warriors. And he practices as a physical therapist. So kind of doing both, but uh, that was one of their championships. He was there for like right after Mark Jackson in the first year with Steve Kerr. Um, And then after that year, the, uh, the Hawks were like um, kind of, kind of blowing up their staff and like doing a whole new thing. Like, Coach Bud, uh, Mike Budenholzer, he's the coach for the Bucks now. He yep. uh, had just – like they had just won 60 games for the number one seed in the East. And they were kind of like just revamping stuff and like, okay, all the new, we're going to go in this new direction. So whole new performance and medical staff. And then, uh, you know, through Mike and another person, they got jobs in Atlanta. So through that networking, it's like, hey – you're my guy. Let's, let's do this thing. So I mean, super, 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 super lucky. (laughs) Like it's one of those where like, you know, if somebody asks like, okay, how do you get into like the NBA? How do you break in? It's like, I I really can't tell you because it sounds like a lot of networking. Yeah. I could just tell you networking, of course, but like, there's no, there's no path to like luck that that person gets the job and then is thinking of you, you know? Right. So So you mentioned like the, um, you know, the Hawks and, and they were kind of rebuilding their organization and all that. Is that like a theme in, in professional sports when you notice maybe, um, I don't say job openings, but, you know, uh, other other organizations that have those openings for strength and conditioning coaches? Does that usually happen when they're doing a whole rebuild of their organization that you hear about? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a good question. Cause like, it's different from college, like colleges, you know, you, you, uh, you hear about it. It's on ESPN now, like where these strength coaches are sort of like chefs now, like as celebrities where you're zoned in on like, Oh, John Calipari is, and maybe bad example. Cause he doesn't bring his strength coach around, but like somebody will like associate with a coach and travel with them around the country. And so job openings are weird where it's like, oh, maybe by the time the job opening is there, like other industries and, and job openings, it's like, oh, it's already been filled. Like, yeah, they already have their guy uh, in the NBA. I think that's less the case. It's like it's that weird, like you you kind of have to know some folks to then get wind of a job and just through word of mouth kind of and and some organizations are more open about it but and as open as they probably have to be um but it's kind of hard to like i think some i mean i wouldn't be good like that's why i'm again lucky because it's like uh like i have a tough time doing that like yeah schmoozing to like figure out jobs and like that's that's a tough piece for me because it doesn't feel genuine but like folks i think are are pretty good at that yeah (laughs) Which is and how bit. did you how did you get to Memphis again? Do you do you mind just kind of painting a, pic, a yeah. picture on that? Because I know you ha- you had something good going on in Atlanta. Is that when they started to kind of? Is that when uh, 
the coach at the time then went to Milwaukee and they kind of started letting the team make a big drastic changes? No, I mean, it is, it's interesting. Like this is actually uh, like now, cause I've been in Memphis for five years now where it's like, I feel solid enough, but like, it was very different, you know, this is like a, a, this is where it's like, oh, we're opening up here to something that is like good now. Like when I look back on it, um, but at the time it was like, probably became like a harder experience because in pro sports, it's like that on paper, we could think that, okay, this situation will be perfect. But then when you get into that, it brings up an interesting conversation in something like this conversation about working with your friends. Like we still deal with this. And I mean, this is, you know, nothing that I think in a negative way at all, but like, it's tough to mix that friendship within a working relationship. And we've sort of done that over like, you know, it, it's like we have sort of our circle of friends from, you know, from Mike and Katie, et cetera where like this circle of friends now that I've worked with and known for over a decade, where it's like, we have this working relationship and this friendship that mm. can be that it's just the, the ups and downs and, and forwards and backwards and figuring things out in positive periods of time and negative periods of time. That is an interesting journey to take. And yeah. the combination of that and the first two years of working in the NBA, like the first year is like, is just a very weird, stressful, crazy experience. Cause you're just trying to find your footing and figure out like, what is this? Like, mm. this is, this is celebrity. This is a show, but we're meant to be like putting this serious training to work for these players. But like, it's just a we and weird, you know, there can be some interesting folks that are involved in such a thing yeah. walking around. We're like, okay, what are the motives here? Like, so it's, it's to get your footing in that hectic environment. First year is crazy. And then it's, then it kind of moved into like, there might be a better situation out there. And something in Memphis came up that was attractive and like my, other buddy Eric who had oddly enough lived with Mike and I in Atlanta because he's from that area went to school there so he you when you came to Atlanta he was not rooming with us it was in our previous place because he got a job in Memphis so we were all living together I worked with Mike for another year while Eric my other buddy works in Memphis then after my second year in Atlanta Eric's like hey there's this job open here it's like at the time, it's like strength and conditioning, like a development coach for like the younger players. And to me, that sounded like college where I had such a good experience in college at USC. Like I was like, oh, this sounds like a college type of role to like have these young players, G League players, some of the rookies where, hey, your focus is more of like they're still there. I mean, they're one and dones. They're college sophomores and juniors. Like that's an age group that it's like, OK, like that sounds like college where I have some positive vibes from let's, let's roll with this. So, I mean, not interesting times, I would say, like I'll leave yeah. it at that, uh, in yeah. that transition, but I think it worked out. It worked out well to still be in Memphis, which is great. Like Memphis gets better and better every year. Like it's the, le the life lessons learned. Like that's another cool part about the job where it's like not only your passion, not only have we gone through sort of like the fire in this weird environment of pro sports, 
Um, but we also have like this like super positive sort of bond that kind of grows as these years go along through, through kind of like iron sharpening iron, you know, yeah. Yeah. and learning yeah. from each other and in, in all these crazy ways. So it's cool. Like it, it's definitely like, I'll, you know, it'll it'll come to an end as so many things in pro sports do sooner rather than people probably want um and when that happens i think it'll be like man that was a really like formative experience for the 10 plus years that it was going on yeah Yeah. and you said you've been in memphis for five years now chris yeah so i mean you've been there for an interesting time then because that team's grown a lot in the last five years like yeah they've gone from you know working their way through high draft picks now to having you know, obviously, Jaws there and all that, and and now they're you know hopefully a perennial playoff team now. Does hmm. do the behind the scenes change with an organization like that when they seem to be growing and taking off? Yeah, yeah. Like I think all. I mean, this is where I can speak in generalities on right. this stuff, but um, I think the what I've de- what I've learned. This is like the coachy stuff. Where in general, uh, now seeing it. And seeing now seeing or having experience over some years and seeing a variety of cultures, as many, I mean, anybody who has played sports, right? Like it's when you see it become a real positive thing and go on the journey of like how that happens and like choices are made that are you you start to see like, oh, these are these are why these choices, these are why these choices are being made in a positive direction to create this positive culture um and it's like oh this works like this makes a difference you know like like the my and this is you know everybody sort of knows this like this the miami heat their brand of you know there's so much about heat culture like that'll be posted around and like it's kind of a joke but like that's you know that that makes a difference like i think in all of our lives where some of it might be cheesy or some of it might you might not know why but like after six months, then you start to realize after a year, then you start to like, you're in it, you're le- you've leaned in, you're, you're buying in, et cetera, et cetera. So like that is seeing that and going through that now, it's like, yes, they're a huge piece of the positive is, is that is, yeah. is the culture piece. And yeah, for sure. to be honest, like when I was younger, I probably underestimated that. And I'll, this is probably a good example of like, you know, lessons learned of getting out of school and thinking, thinking, you know, um, and realizing you don't where, you know, reading from the book and doing things from the book and thinking, you know, something cause you have a degree and like a lot of these other coaches don't, and they talk about culture and they talk about, you know, relationships with players. And it's like, oh, I kind of discount that. I'll, I'll, I'll be good with that but it's not as easy as you think. And then you realize how valuable it is once you take the relationship piece into account and you really lean into that almost first, really. And then the training takes care of itself. The effort that you used to coach, now you don't need to coach it because you care about their family and you know what's going on in their day. And yeah. you know, you've done something good for them outside of outside of coaching or outside of the workplace. So um, yeah, that, it makes a big difference. For sure. And, and Chris, you know, you, you mentioned the relationship aspect of it. Can you kind of tell us the, the biggest difference between, you know, coaching your division one athletes compared to your professional athletes? I mean, clearly there's going to be some differences, but uh, would like to kind of hear kind of mindset wise as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that like that gets me to like just think about you know now again over some years like you you see players come through and you're like okay what is what is this common thread of of folks that get to this level and then are able to stay because um, a lot of guys are in and out and then what's the common thread of of people that get in and and are out pretty quickly and again, I, you know, I go back to the relationship piece and, and you realize more and more, like I look back at the evidence of the guys like, Oh, they were, you know, we got rid of them quick or, you know, that person didn't last even with the next team and they were out of the league is, is your personality piece. Like we talk about culture. We talk about like part of that is probably like just being a good person and and being a good teammate and having a good vibe about you. And, treating it like a job and again just in generalities like this kind of goes into every industry um and i think what's unique in this space is that because it's entertainment because it's a bit of celebrity it's eyeballs on you so you if you treat it like a job like you know the what we would treat you know our job like and come to everything on time be prepared like you know, be, be a positive influence on, on the whole cop, you know, the whole machine or the whole team. That's something that I think the successful guys do novel concept. Right. But I think some guys get lost in the sauce a little bit um, just because the nature of, of, of what it is. Um, And those guys don't last. So the, you know, I can come in again, this, this is common thread for any industry, but if you come in late and you probably, you know, think you're bigger than this, or you, you know, dive into a a wrong, you know, uh, a a wrong path with like things outside of basketball or people that you're like, okay, I'll just have this crew take care of my training and, uh, you know, get treatment from these people. Like that becomes, you know, an interesting relationship with the team. And now you're not a positive you know, driver within the team that I think now or with a good culture, that's the common threat is that everybody's sort of bought into that piece. Like this is our team. We are in this together. Nobody's bigger than that, even though people really are. (laughs) You know, exactly. And even if you are like there is a sort of leaning into the things that, you know, you should lean into just for the common good, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, the, that, that piece again is like the X's and O's, like we talk about all the time as we get older as coaches now having known these coaches and been friends with these guys, like I was talking about before for a long time, it's like, it's just funny how you get older and we all are turning to building the relationship piece as this, this more and more primary piece with, with any athlete, coworker, coaches, et cetera, um, as, as this thing, like, oh my God, that's, you know, that's the the piece that gets you everything else, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I know, listen, we can, we can talk to you all day about your profession because it's super interesting and the, the journey seems like it's, it's thorough and exciting, but I also want to get into, uh, you know, Chris, the person too, um, as far as, you know, y- your mindset growing up, um, you know, when fitness really became an integral part of your life. Um, was it something that, that you had a strong interest in growing up and then lucky enough for you, it it blossomed into a career. Like when did, when did fitness kind of, you know, start making a mold and and, an impact on your life? Yeah. Uh, probably not really like a classic story of like other strength coaches who, 
could cite like bodybuilding magazines and like, you know, knowing about figures in this field that like really until I got to college, I didn't know, you know, a history uh, and other, you know, folks that feel like, oh my God, like this legend in the strength and conditioning game or a, a strong man or a bodybuilder or a performance coach that's written these books or those books. So I was very, uh, very new to that um, later in life. And, and I think where I got into it was just like, was random. It was like having some weights in the basement and, right, you know, just, I don't even know why, like just mm. doing probably a lot of curls and bending. <laughs> <laughs> probably didn't do not one leg exercise until <laughs> high school. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I, you know, I think there, it was, I remember like doing exercises in the, like bringing up dumbbells and like having a mat and like doing sit-ups and like, again, probably just like arm exercises and push-ups right. in the living room, like while watching the TV with the family. Like I would just yeah. be like hitting curls, like prison style. <laughs> oh, yeah. Prison like, style. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, man. We're just watching Boy Meets World, you know, and just checking out. Classic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and, and so that, that was there and it's like, okay, like I like working out in high school, you know, playing football, playing basketball, or just playing sports in general. Yeah. Like, all right, like maybe after my sophomore year of, or freshman year, I forget of, of high school, I think I worked out a lot and it, it was one of those like, oh, somebody notices and then that gets you like, oh, okay. Like I like, it's the classic. I like that. I like somebody noticing that my upper body only is jacked (laughs) every day. Uh, And, and so that was cool. And then you just dive deeper. So then, you know, then obviously it's, you learn what a leg day is and you you start. And I didn't know anybody, but I, I think like, I'm lucky that, and this is, I mean, maybe sounds pretentious, but like I can get into the weight room and just like do whatever and, and figure it out where, I don't have like these restrictions where, okay, I can squat pretty easily. I can deadlift pretty easily. Like I'm picking this up quick. I'm much better at training them than I am at team sports. Like (laughs) where it's like, Oh, I'm, I can be athletic. I can be strong. And you know, those who can't do sort of teach right in this, the strength and conditioning is full of that. Like strength and conditioning is like, we joke is like, you know, sort of, maybe it's bad joke, but like cops in high school where it's like you become a cop because you want to kind of like, oh, I'm an authority figure a little bit. Yeah. You know? yeah. Or other professions like that where it's like, all right, like I love training. I want to get into coaching and education. I can't really do what you do, but hopefully I can I can be an educator. And right. in, in being good at lifting weights, I guess. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So then it's like going from gold's gym and then feel like planet fitness, like, you know, <laughs> days of that. I, you were going to planet fitness, right? Brian? For- yeah. I, uh, I'm still back there actually. Now I'm back there. <laughs> they closed, they closed club fitness. And I'm like, all right, damn it. I'm going back to judge a free zone. Luck alarm. Land in purple, baby. Did you go, did you go to gold? Did you go to gold? Uh, no, no. I went to club fitness. Which oh, used what, to be yeah, gold. It was gold. Yeah. yeah, that was okay. gold. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah, like working out, like I just worked out in those. Like I didn't do sport performance stuff. You know, I didn't know anything about that again until I was like sifting through the majors and being like, all right, this is strength and conditioning, you know? So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that was, 
uh, different to like, I wish I could have that story of like, man, I had this dream of like, I was always into the training and I knew all these people because like people can like, people are really good at the, at the history and things that like yeah. still have, don't have a great grasp on. But, but it was more like, I need to get into a job. Like I said, in the beginning that I feel a passion for, and it, I just was in the right place and stumbled upon something. Like if I was at another school, it would have been something totally different. So, you know, one of those like maybe meant to be things um, yeah. that worked out. Sure. That's awesome. And, and sticking with, with kind of like your routine and, and what's working for you um, now with you. Now, me personally, and I know John's feeling the same way is I feel like it's really important to have like a morning routine, but what is like your typical morning routine look like? And how have you recently tr- like tailored your training programs for yourself and do you do you typically alter your training programs you know every like six weeks how do you focus on yourself yeah i love great transition into the x's and o's so let's let's get into this yes, <laughs> let's, let's go, go. <laughs> <laughs> uh um yeah i i mean i struggle with some of the um the routine stuff and you go you know, I think they're now in, in 10 years plus in this where you've done, a, there's been a million different things, you know, that, that come and go and that are ridiculous um, or that are really valuable. Uh, and a, a, like a morning routine, right, is the classic thing. And like you're setting yourself up, you know, by I think number one, sleeping, which I struggle with for sure. Uh, I have an aura ring now, which I think is, is becomes interesting to get your sleep data um, as those things become more common and less expensive and, and more accurate. Um, I think it's valuable to just, it's like, man, it, it is the thing, right? Like it is the thing that is a game changer um, and a powerful uh, way to recover that is sounds so cliche, but like, if your sleep is messed up and you're not getting enough of it, I think that's a huge problem. And if you're doing that for the rest of your life, you might as well try to fix that or um, figure if figure out if you're actually successful in doing that. Uh, Yeah. Like getting some objective data, I think is like something I see now at this level that is now expected and so easy. And we, you know, have access to pieces of equipment that allow us to do this. And, I think that's something I've learned is like, you know, take ownership of this. Like there's many a way to assess these things yourself and, and get um, anything you want um, in terms of objective data to audit your health. I think I wouldn't able be able to speak eloquently on this. And this is a bit of a tangent, but like I think Peter Atia talks a lot about this. If if folks, you know, listen to him, but just talking about different tests to sort of get this objective suite of data um, that is super easy now. And, and you really like, I think folks find out some interesting things about that. Oh, I could take some vitamin D and have some interesting changes or my sleep is actually messed up. And I thought it was good. I actually wake up or don't get much REM sleep, et cetera. So like, I think that's valuable, bit of a tangent, yeah. but valuable. In no, I think that's, yeah, sort of set up the morning thing. Um, And I think, you know, there's valuable stuff with like, you know, I'm a room vibe and temperature guy, like white noise, temperature, low, uh, all the things that anybody would say, blackout curtains, you know, these are things that, you know, we, we set up and help with our players as like, you know, most important thing, you know, and many, 
many a teams do these things. You know, teams will get specific mattresses for players and because of the importance of of this piece. And I think it's silly at this point. Again, it's like so common. It's easy to do this stuff to like, I know people probably don't. That's why I would say the objective data is important. Like you may think like, oh, I'm fine with whatever my room setup, but maybe there's some light coming in there. Maybe the temperature's high and maybe you'd realize with an aura ring or something, oh, I actually don't get much REM or I actually toss and turn, you know, while I'm still sleeping. So my sleep is, you know, kind of intermittent. Um, and, you know, if you set up a room in a different way or and you kind of retest and get some new data, it's interesting to see how those changes make you feel. Um, yeah. So waking up, uh, I think there's interesting pieces with that of like alarm clocks and like slow lighting up uh, pieces. Like uh, I think those alarms are interesting. Um, I yeah. think light is interesting in the morning of like how you wake up to harsh light or light from your cell phone things like that. Um, mm -hmm. I think those pieces are interesting to me. Cause like, maybe I don't wake up right away. Like I'm not going to pretend like, Hey man, you should be bouncing out of bed and just diving right into stuff. I'm not going to pretend I do that. Uh, <laughs> so I think like having something that is before you hit your phone and before you hit harsh light and stuff like that, I think that again is interesting to me. I think something that's valuable to try to do, like I want to pretend these things are like, you know, these people that are like, oh man, like I do this every day. It's like, be real. Like you probably don't right. like maybe you're 75% yeah. compliant at best. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, I think there's positive with like, you know, the reading piece or like easing into the day with activities that it's like a bit more slow paced. If you have the time, I'm, I'm sure with kids and with job, it's tough. So if you're in that place, then I think it's like health and wellness with nutrition comes to mind because you're going to, I'm not going to pretend that you're not running out of the house or trying to get somewhere quickly and you're going to do something that is quick for food. You're not going to yeah. compromise like, oh, I got to, I'm going to wake up an hour early to make this or that. But how do you set yourself up from a nutritional standpoint? That's probably like protein oriented and not like a you know, carbohydrate laden muffin, yeah, you know, exactly. like yeah, exactly <laughs> that sort of stuff, you know? And it's like, I know people would say, okay, like, you know, really what recommendations, but like, yeah, like you, you could, you could probably get away. I mean, like cooking eggs is easy and I could say things like that, that eggs are high in protein. You could certainly have meat in the morning with something if that's your thing. It's just when people get like, oh, I just do a breakfast sandwich every morning or, oh, I just do, you know, something that you're like, oh man, that's just like kind of sugar carbohydrates that, yep. you know, like you're kidding yourself if that's setting you up for a productive feeling day, like physically. And that's, that's just the real thing. And I mean, you could do whatever after, but is, is that your first, like I wake up, I have this good wake up. I have this good like ingestion of something. Um, and then that kind of gets you into this, like, Oh, I'm pretty clear thinking and I'm going to work, you know? Right. Um, so, I mean, I'm a coffee guy, like that sort of stuff. I mean, I'm not going to yeah. lie. I'm, I'm love me some stimulants, but, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's so easy to make coffee healthy now. I mean, you could just, yeah. you know, every alternative milk in the world and low sugar, right. this, like, again, where people get in trouble is, you know, where people do like Starbucks, you know, caramel macchiato, like weird stuff that 
is like you can still there's so many options like if you just go a layer deeper of just like all right i gotta think about this like yeah you know not just superficial like let me think all right i'm gonna go to the grocery store i'm gonna like actually buy this other thing that is gonna make my coffee healthier and like i'm just gonna do this like you know and oh this is healthier for i go a layer deeper and it's like oh i found out like this is an easy alternative something that it doesn't taste bad you know like that process you have to go through i think realistically is hard um but worth it for sure (laughs) Uh, you know so um it's yeah. funny, man, because like for me personally, um, it, it's exactly what you're saying. It's like a uh, you try to keep it simple in the morning as best you can. And when you're talking about light, um, you know, I've, I've been reading and hearing a lot about like taking in natural light to start your day. Um, so like just going outside and being outside for a few minutes, taking in some natural light right away to start your day. You hydrate right away. You have, like you said, something good to eat that's simple. If you take vitamins, grab your vitamins. And that just changes the course of your day totally. You know, I've been doing that yeah. probably for like making sure I'm consistent on like those four key points for about a month now. And this past month has been drastically different than the month before. You know, it's like yeah. those simple baby steps of doing those things has totally changed um, the outcome of my days and the way you know the, the rest of those 12 hours in my day go for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You're setting yourself up for success like right yeah. off the bat. It's so you simple know? too. You think, yeah. you think just water, you know. Drinking water first and, and, you know, taking in, you know, something other than like you said, like a caramel macchiato first thing. Yeah. In the you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Grab some water, you know I mean? Yeah. Or, or, like you said, yeah. you know, your body wants water. As the caramel macchiato. Exactly. But, right. Yeah. But the water's pretty good. The water, the water, <laughs> you know, your body hasn't had anything to drink in eight hours. You know what I mean? Give it some water to start. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, no, it's simple things that you're yeah. probably don't think of, but, um, you know, when, when you start to practice it, it makes a world of difference. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So what else as far and as nutrition he, goes? Oh, I'm sorry, man. Go ahead, BG. No, 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 no go for it. I was going to say, you know, with the, cause you're taking us through the day, like when you started hitting on the nutrition component too, um, I'd like to dive into that too. So we'll, we'll take, take us into the nutrition component and then we'll go into like the training like how your training has evolved yeah. and like what you focus on. Yeah. Um, and I know you asked about the training piece too. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think again, the nutrition piece, like you're talking about with like a wake up thing, it's like, I am not going to pretend that I'm the best with nutrition um, and try to lie and say like, this is, you know, I can get away with eating certain things. So like, you know, then it's easy to do it when it's available to say like, Oh yeah, I could eat, donuts and some pizza and not really care i'm going to train i'm going to whatever like this is not really going to change the game but for a lot of people that's very very different so like the the psychosocial aspects of nutrition are crazy like where i wouldn't be able to pretend what it feels like to be somebody that you know eats a donut and feels like it's the last thing in the world or the the worst thing in the world. And you gain 20 pounds and you just struggle with these weight shifts. Like it's crazy. Like I, I've, it's terrible that the world is this way that like we mm-hmm. focus on this thing as humans, this outward appearance and this, we have to deal with these weight issues um, and image issues that it's wild. So I, I wouldn't be able or pretend to touch on this. Like, in the right way with like nutrition um with performance it's easier because like you're dealing with like a lot of an athletic population 
Um, but it still is like this psychosocial struggle of like, I associate food with pleasure. There's easy access to these things that, you know, make a lot of society obese now. It's very hard to like get rid of that or rip that away. Um, you know, I, you know, if I had to, it's like, if I couldn't get away with it, I'd be like, man, like, what would I do if I couldn't eat like some chocolate chip cookies, you know, <laughs> like, or mm, yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah. Be, like crazy with that, you know? So, um, so that's a tough piece. And I'm, so I'm, I'm consistent enough with like a decent route, like, you know, approach to it, I think where it's like, Hey, don't eat like an asshole. Like when was the last time you went to McDonald's or like Taco Bell or like that stuff, like low hanging fruit, crazy. Like if you're still doing this, like, come on, what are we doing? Yeah. Um, you know, just learning some stuff, um, realizing how much protein you need in a day, easy one. Like I know everybody talks about protein now and that's like a, a fashionable topic anyway, but like, you know, if you really, if you calculate, you know, the amount of protein you need in a day, like for an athletic population, I don't know what they would say for like a sedentary population, but for an athletic population, they talk about like 1.8 to like 2.1 grams per kilogram of body weight. So like, say I'm like 90 kilos, you know, I'm at 90 grams of, uh, or a hundred, sorry, 180 grams. Good math. A day, you know, uh, and it didn't have my TI 83 on me. Um, <laughs> Like are like if you you know like I hit people with that all the time like players with that it's like man do you realize what like you know for them more than that like two hundred some odd grams of of protein like what you have to eat in a day like to yeah. kind of sustain this muscle and with the activity level um, that you're doing and again athletic population different if you're mom and pop just chilling on the couch right. most of the time yeah but that's a hard that's an interesting realization. And how many of those do you have when it comes to nutrition, which you should take ownership of, because that's the thing that this is like the thing that's keeping you alive and extending, you know, potentially extending your life. Right. You would probably do some research into that. And um, I, I'm not going to pretend I know much on the nutrition side. That's a right. pretty weak point. I'm in this like sort of training zone. Yeah. Uh, where nutrition is like, okay, like I, I know I've learned some stuff along the way. Yeah. But what has been valuable is, learning about myself and then kind of dive, like read a, read an article once in a while and just kind of tap into like, do you know what macronutrients are like carbohydrates, fats, proteins. And when you look at a piece of food or look at a plate, can you, you know, quickly assess what you're dealing with and make a logical decision to say like, Hey man, this is kind of ridiculous. It's just like, you know, carbs and some shitty sauce with sugar, this, whatever. It's just like, all right, yeah. I can make a decision that like, this is just not going to give me much. And maybe this other thing is like the not as cool tasting, like the, maybe the, the, the fettuccine Alfredo versus like, you've got a good piece of, of steak with some veggies and rice or whatever, you know, right. it's like, exactly. Yeah. Eh, like you're just going to get more out of that. Like, it's just right. a decision that you should make and the struggle then to do that. That's again, where I would be lost. And, and that's why we have like mental health people and therapists now to like, say like, okay, like willpower wise, are you making those decisions? pretty consistently or mm -hmm. consistently enough to make a change. Um, so it's, it's diving in like some commit some time to it and you need, yeah. What's your entry point? Like, I don't know, like search whatever, but like, yeah. Yeah. 
you can, you can, what is a carbohydrate? You know what, you know what, it doesn't matter, but like, mm-hmm. man, that's what you put in your body every day. Like you should know some, like how much, how much, right. yeah. like exactly. diet, but just like, what is recommended for yeah. me at my activity level for my weight or whatever, like carbohydrates, fats, proteins, like what, you know, like Mm -hmm. dive a layer deeper into that and what foods you can cook that are rich in these and what foods that are less than stellar. It's not a diet. It's not TB12 method saying like, I don't eat tomatoes because, you know, nightshades or whatever. It's like, just make some logical steps, like look into logical stuff, like unbiased. I mean, everything's biased, but just some unbiased, like this is just the information. This is what these nutrients give you. This is how much that is recommended. You know, that's it. Yeah. I mean, and you know, you, you make it, it sound so simple, but it truly is. If you take a step back, if you look at vegetables, you look at say like your sweet potatoes, you know, your, your, your regular proteins, not dressing them up with butter and stuff like that is a very healthy meal, you know? And it's like, you have to, you have to, and this sounds so funny, but it's like, you have to look at your body as like a Ferrari. You know, you're putting the best fuel in a Ferrari. Okay. Te- you want to go Tesla now? You want to go Tesla? Best electricity. Oh, That's okay. Say, yes. Yeah. yes. You're, you're charging that bitch. <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. Exactly. So it's like you, you really got to take a step back and say, okay, am I going to fuel this fine specimen with the adequate fuel it needs or am I going to basically operate like a Toyota Yaris. No offense to anybody that has a Yaris. You know what I mean? It's, but it's like you could put anything you want in a Yaris. You know what I mean? Pacific beef with the Toyota Yaris. I mean, nothing. They have great MPG, so. Yeah, yeah. But it also take, it's, it's also a discipline factor too, though. Like you have to understand, like you can say like, oh, yeah, I want to have salmon instead of fettuccine or whatever like that. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. but you also have to like be disciplined enough to to follow through with that and to maybe meal plan a little bit or cook ahead or you know those kind of things so that's also a big component i think in the nutritional side of things is having the discipline to actually follow through plan ahead and kind of like you said being able to look at something and calculate what you're actually going to intake so um yeah and a little bit about your training i'm sorry go ahead go ahead oh yeah do you guys well this will be a good foray into training but do you guys know <laughs> david goggins yeah oh yeah god hell yeah savage yeah (laughs) oh my god that's a very like gogginsy thing is uh um so he i i saw this dude he actually spoke to the hawks in the locker room before game one time it was crazy (sighs) that must have been amazing yeah it was it was it was looking back on it now it's kind of funny it's just like because he's kind of he's a character kind of oh yeah oh yeah yeah. And so like, but, you know, I, I think, and I'm going to get it probably wrong, but, you know, with motivation and discipline where like to that point in all seriousness is like, he'll talk about like motivation, like watching a, a video that pumps you up, listening to a song, like those things are, are fleeting. It lasts for a short period of time. The discipline is, is where he would contest. Like, that's, that's me. That's what I do. Like I do this every day rain, sleet, snow, you know, I am not just motivated, like I don't need music, like all of these things that he talks about, um, that other people like fall to the, to, you know, uh, a resort to those crutches, um, are things that he is so disciplined that he does not need. And that I think there's value in that where it's like, 
the if you need motivation, if you need these external stimuli, that's something that is like it's temporary. It's not something that is yeah, going really cool. to last forever, you know. Um, so, yeah, he's a wild dude. But um, <laughs> as far as training, uh, definitely different than than Goggins. Um, the <laughs> uh, yeah, like training is fun because getting into this, it's always now been like you know, a lot of my training is just experimenting to, to figure things out for what I'm trying to do with, with athletes. So it's interesting. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So it, then it's always fun. Cause like, it's like, all right, what is, what works, what doesn't work? Um, what's feasible? Uh, those, those pieces are, are cool motivation for when it's like, oh, I don't really want to train, but it's like a good, like carrot that kind of is like, all right, no, I'm going to, I'm actually going to train. I'm going to find some way to get motivated to do it because there is this worth. And the other consequences like the health, the wellness, the, you know, I want to feel strong. I want to be athletic for my entire life. I think there's, you know, huge values in the, in the physical, like over the long term, And again, extending your uh, sort of, uh, uh, I think Peter Tia calls it health span versus lifespan, or that's a popular phrase to say, so I can do things for a longer period of time, you know, until I'm 90, maybe I still die at 95, but like I'm with it until then physically, right. hopefully mentally. So I think one thing feeds into the other, each feed into each other where physically, if I can train and, and train hard, like that's the other piece that we could talk about is like, you know, training kind of not hard <laughs> to yeah. spare some, you know, more insulting words, uh, is, <laughs> you know, like learning how to train hard for forever. And that's, yeah. that's a cool piece with, with training and that, and, and what you have to do is, is again, with the, the same nutrition, couple layers. Dive into deep. that a little more, D- dive in a little more when you what so what do you specify as like training hard? So like we can have a good picture of like your description on that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, um, easy. Like we talk about all the time, like, you know, a fashionable topic to talk about in training is like how many times you go to failure. Like there's, mm. you know, definitely sort of a challenge or like this rhetoric now of like, Hey, if you are actually going to make a change, like how many times do you do sets to failure and have this exertion that is like we would use like a rating of perceived exertion scale. And if you rank that as a 10 out of 10, for instance, how many times do you do a set of leg press or a set of squats if you back squat or just on a knee extension machine where you would provide an RPE uh, of a 10 out of 10? So that is the hardest that it's like my legs are burning. I went to failure. I feel crazy. I'm going to pass out. Maybe not pass out, but like that, that sort of exertion, like I don't, and, and I want to take the pass out one back. Cause I don't want to intimidate people. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's a good caveat. Yeah. yeah. We're not editing that shit. I'm not staying in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that uh that's a piece that I think people don't do. I think there's a growing appreciation for, um, like it's, it's more popular now. Most people are know that, Oh, I have to exercise in more and more of these challenging ways. It's not really how it used to be with maybe just aerobics or yoga or whatever. Like people are realizing that they need to train what, you know, people would call more functionally or something, whatever that means. But I think what's coming around is the respect for a lot of different spaces that I think the general population 
as we do in athletics, you know, the same type of thing, just maybe at another level of intensity. Um, but the space of bodybuilding has always been valuable. I think people that, you know, may, people may hear that and be like, oh, like, dude, oh, I'm on the right track. I'm doing my upper body, you know, swole. And that's true. But I think there's also like just muscle building and hypertrophy in general, getting muscles bigger that yeah. bodybuilders had right. And that I think, Brian, when we had, were talking about training for a period of time, like getting on machines that are at your Gold's Gym and at your, you know, the easy places there at any health, you know, uh, not, a, not a performance facility, but the Planet Fitnesses of the world, et cetera. And if you have access to a knee extension machine, hamstring curl, even like the seated, you know, abduction, abduction, legs go out, legs come in like that. Is, like these are these are critical muscle groups that you have to train to get just bigger, stronger. I don't, I care, I'm careful to say bigger here because, you know, maybe some folks will say I don't want to get big, but man, you would have to work so hard <laughs> to get yeah. as big as you think you would be getting. So that's probably not going to happen. Um, do respecting that space, respecting the space that is like more athletic stuff that is, or I should say more uh, like closed chain, as we would say, multi-joint exercises. So your back squats, your deadlifts of the world, your split squats, your one leg RDLs, like those things, like the general population should know how to do and should know how to load pretty intensely. So you could still yeah. do a squat machine. You don't have to do a barbell back squat or you could do a leg press. Any of these things are like, you know, the more constrained versions that are easier, but whatever those things are, you need to be able to load that significantly and be able to go to failure, which takes some skill and some technique. Um, that's what's going to make a difference. Like th these are the things that sort of set this foundation for the rest of your life. Um, Cause if you like, if you aren't able to push those intensities or work to failure at periods of time throughout the week, once or twice a week, um, again, the, 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 the extent to which you're going to progress, like, are you going to become stronger? Probably not doing, you know, two sets of 30 reps of five pounds on a knee extension, bicep curl, calf raise, or you're just doing Zumba. Like the forces aren't high enough to mm. make change. That's going to be a difference when you're older of you breaking your hip or not, you know, like, you just got to be, you have to load bones and tissue to a greater extent. Like, this is just the honesty that people are probably like, Ooh, that's kind of intimidating, but yeah, like you got to figure that out. Like, true. Gotta, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do that. And there are so many easy ways, like there, there, this is why we have machines in gyms, like these, these various pieces of equipment, because tech man equipment is crazy. If you're in the exercise equipment business, like the innovation is crazy. There's many yeah. things that make all these things easier for you to do. If you do a barbell back squat in a rack and you try to go to failure, don't recommend it. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. yeah. But if you get into some sort of squatting machine that they have at the gym and go to failure where you have a back support and you have, you know, shoulder supports and it's easy to rack the weight and all that sort of stuff, go to failure on that. Like, push yourself, write it down progress next week. Like there's nothing crazy about it. Like you could probably do five, four sets of five for forever, you know, for a year and continue to progress for some people, you know, yeah. if you continue to push yourself 
to towards you know higher levels of exertion you know right, right. so and then maybe the last piece is it is uh like i was going to touch on the athletic piece like you know people don't sprint as fast as they, as they can sprint for short periods i of time. love it i love that i love that piece <laughs> yeah. can you go into that because it's so important dude yeah because like if you think about people in balance and they're falling and they're breaking their hips and stuff it's like yeah. we lose that aspect of it Hundred percent. Like it's definitely. Uh, this is probably where I'm most passionate about because the athletic pieces of of this job are are the pieces I love the most. I love coaching the most. So like, think of you know what people would call like acceleration and deceleration and change of direction. Like things that look like track and field, things that look like the football combine, uh, etc. And those things are anybody can really do. Like if you slowly expose yourself to uh, higher and higher, um, uh, intensities and volumes of these like remedial movements, you can get yourself into a sprint and a change of direction and not kill yourself and, and start to realize the benefit, um, that that can do for you. Again, I think well into life and as you age, uh, again, like some of the, uh, the cognitive pieces that decline over time, like if you're if you're in your 40s <laughs> and maybe hard to hear but if you're in your 40s and you haven't like sprinted and then turned around and sprinted the other way like a hard change of direction like how would that feel right now you know like <laughs> do that like yeah. would you tear your ACL or an Achilles you know like that shouldn't be the case <laughs> like yeah, right, right. right. you should as as an adult be able to to do something like that like jump you know, when people jump and they haven't jumped probably for 10 years, like just Crazy. jumped in the air, like something at a game happens and like they're throwing a ball or something into the stands and you jump up to try to get it. And you're like, holy shit. Like, you know, I haven't, haven't gotten <laughs> off the ground like that since, since high school. <laughs> that, that, those, these are things that shouldn't, you know, shouldn't be happening, you know, as, yeah. we, as we age, you're like 50 is not old. 60 is not old. Like, no. If you are dosing, like this is where, you know, it comes back to John, what you were saying with discipline, like if you are consistent enough and you be find something that you love, that you can load and expose yourself to like higher forces. So like if you love yoga, fine, but that can't be it. <laughs> like I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But that's again for longevity I'm talking about for like when you're older, when you're 60, 65 and you got to slip and fall and you don't break a bone or you suddenly have to react to something or get tripped or have to run you should be able to get into a run and run kind of fast and then be like all right i'm fine like yeah maybe i was a little sore but like i could still do it and not fall over and not like you know tear something like yeah. that it, you should find a way to work jumps into your workouts to work sprints and changes of direction into your workouts treadmill fine you know interval sprinting but like can you sprint at 15 miles an hour like that's you know if you're youngish athletic ish like you you should you know you you should probably be able to sprint 14 to 15 yeah. miles an hour <laughs> like yeah right yeah. uh and and is that something that you're able to dose pretty consistently you know again find something that's interesting to you if treadmill sprints are not interesting then don't do it, you know, do something else. You know, if you got a basketball court, like no shame in your game, like just yeah. do a uh, uh, half court and back, like do that, right. do 10 reps, 
rest a minute in between sprint as fast as you can, like build it up, you know, like do like 50%, 60%. If it feels pretty good, the first time you do it at like 70%, like the five to 10 reps, come back three days later and try it again a little faster, you know? Yeah. But you should be able to do that workout, not get super jacked up. And then, and maybe I should say like not 10 reps, maybe start with like four to yeah, six. Yeah, build up. Right? Yeah. Exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Another but something something like that you know jump just jump and land two leg yeah. jump and land yeah. one leg jump and land uh jump and land right to left go side to side yeah like, all those things like think about your brain what does your brain have to work out in those tasks like mm-hmm. this awareness yeah. of space this reaction like quicker association between the mental and physical that these neurological interactions over time again longevity it's like what are your cognitive abilities because you have fed the physical and you have had to react and be coordinated and you know again run think about sprinting as fast as you can like what that natural coordination like this thing that we just know how to do you got to keep that alive that's just kind of feeding you know that's watering some brain cells i think right for sure yeah all right. Hey, so listen, man, we don't want to keep you too, too much longer here. I know BG and I wanted to, uh, yeah, I know. I feel bad. We're at an hour and 10 now, so I don't want to, I don't want to ruin your night here, but um, I, I do appreciate you coming on with us. Sure. Uh, two more quick questions for you. And and they're more kind of, I don't want to say rapid fire, but uh, maybe more of a personal question from, from BG and I, but uh, mine was, I heard about your profession um, and kind of your journey there. And I thought it was super interesting. And, uh, but I also wanted to kind of, see maybe you you seem to have worked in high intensity environments um with a lot of high intensity people uh was there ever a time you know whether when you were switching to location or wherever it may have been was what was the most um i guess fear-based um barrier you had to get through in your profession as far as a, a time that maybe you were nervous or worried about making a transition or or working in a certain environment Yeah. Yeah. I mean, probably, you know, many a time, I think since it's been from a job to another job to another job where like in coaching, you know, you just bounce around like a lot of these people do. So I think the, um, the fear, the fear is there. I think it's, I've, I'm thankful that I've always thought of like, you know, at this point too, where it's like, I'll do whatever. Like at this point, um, it's like, I've done this this has been awesome to have this passion, but if I needed to do something else because things in life are now more important, mm-hmm. significant other dogs, um, family, <laughs> et cetera, where it's like, that's easier to, to have less of that fear. So when this yeah. ends and it might end abruptly, it's like, Oh, I'm, we'll be okay. Like I'm down. I'm not, I'm not, you know, the Memphis Grizzlies or I'm not my job. Right. Um, and that has gotten better over time. Um, I think there was like that, like I mentioned before, that transition from Atlanta to Memphis was probably the, I would just say the weirdest. Cause yeah. it was like, Oh, I still have a job, like a dream job, but yeah. I, I'm moving to Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah. Like, it, was, it was just, <laughs> it was just weird. And I had a friend there, so it made it easier. Um, right. so it wasn't that bad. Um, yeah. but yeah. I that's mean, cool. that, I think that's, that's always there. Like a lot of us, like, it's just, if you associate, we, we, we are guilty of associating ourselves with our jobs and the less I can do that over time or folks can do that over time. I think 
if you can, you know, yeah. it's like, I know people have to make money, but like, right. it's, it's tough to make that your life, you know? So sure. learning to do that less. Yeah. So if you, so if you kind of like through the time that you've gotten even more and more experience, have you been able to almost like reflect on those times where you're like fear is starting to creep up a little bit, but you're like, Hey, I've done this before. I just reflect on that. I know I can do it again. And that kind of silences the fear. Or do you kind of tell yourself, like you talk yourself into it, like, um, like, Hey, I know I'm going to be successful. I know I can do this. You know, that self-talk, because I think a lot of times what happens is people will put that negative voice in their head. Well, they, they just put themselves down and then they're, then they don't act. So to me, it seems like you, you've kind of been like, no, I'm just going to constantly act, take action, constantly take action. So I admire that you haven't let fear dictate your life. Um, but it, has it been because you're able to reflect on times in your life where you've been able to prove that you've been successful? Uh, yeah, yeah, probably a, a little bit. I think, you know, I've, always um kind of talked about like the just putting it through the like the perspective wheel of like you know if i run this through the million different ways that i could put this in perspective and we could tell whatever story we wanted to and say it could be worse because i could be living in another country or a third world country it could be worse because i could be making less money or i could wouldn't have uh couldn't afford a house could be worse we couldn't have a house at all you know we'd still have to live in an apartment or something and i i i think admittedly i think that doesn't work for everybody but like it's not even like oh i have to come up with something to give you perspective it's just like does it change it does me like you could go through that and somebody could be like yeah whatever but i'm still in this like this is still you know crappy you know but that is just works for me where it's, it's kind of the, like, I mean, sounds cheesy, but like a bit of a new England vibe where like, or just cause I'm not going to pretend like I see that in my like parents or family, which is true, but you know, it's like, Hey, we just do what we have to do, but not like we were impoverished or anything, yeah you know, but like just that, like, Hey, I, need to just do what I have to do. So if I get out of coaching and you get fired or you have to make this weird transition, it's like, I'm an adult. Like I have to put this in perspective. I don't need to be a millionaire. I just need to get my shit together and have a job and be respectful of these people and take it seriously. And, you know, it's like, nobody wants to hear that like that. That's talking like to a child, but like, you know, that that's what resonates with me, which is super vanilla Cause like I could say it's Goggins and I, but that like to me is like, it, that is fleeting at this point. Yeah. Like, yes, if I, I used to watch the 300 trailer and get crazy and take pre-workout and want to go <laughs> rage. And that's motivation. But like, that's you awesome. know, your thirties, it's like, Oh, like I don't care. Like I don't listen to Goggins and like get crazy. Oh my God, this dude's such a motivator. Like what motivates me is like, now it's like the, you know, like for, for you, Brian, you know, it's like wife and children. Like for right. me, it's like, I just think about my parents. I think about Allison. Like that is, those are things that are like the real shit that is the, that leads to things like discipline and leads to like, Oh, if I don't have a job, like I have these things that I need to work for. I need to step up for, you know? And yeah. if it's, if I have to work at this random, if I have to go back to, 
landscaping. I'm Hell gonna yeah. do it. <laughs> hey, I know a company I could hook you up. <laughs> yeah, tell me and be like, man, let's run this thing back. Yeah. You know? so, uh, Dude, this uh, you know what's funny is is this actually segues perfectly into my question. Oh my because God. I had the tremendous pleasure of meeting Allison at Knut's wedding, Knut and Sarah's wedding. And I knew, man, I knew as soon as I saw her, she was the one. And I told you that a couple of weeks ago when we chatted. And it's because she brought out a, a different, you guys just complimented each other so well. So my question for you, man, is how has falling in love expanded your why? Oh, man. He's oh, giving you that love. deep shit now, man. You, like, he's, right. he, the last That's one right. is giving you the deep one. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. Like, because I, I and Allison would laugh at this too. And you know the, um, just like thinking you never get married to go through a stint of stint of time where it's like you think deeply about these things and like I think we touched on this a little bit, Brian. But like the, um, you know why why get married? Why do people do that? And like, well, why am I why am I thinking that? Because you know I come from a place where many of many of people around me and my family got divorced or were unhappy. So it's like I just associate marriage with this negative experience and not understanding like a a really positive uplifting why. And that's just you know you are how you how you grow up, man. Like that's the experience. And so even like thinking about being young and thinking, oh, well, you think you know everything and you have this experience. So then you think about it this way and then to evolve and kind of be in such a different space. You look back on like, you know, in your 20s or like from early 20s, mid 20s. And then you then it's different from like late 20s, 30s. You know, it's these weird stages where you think, you know, again, and you have no idea. Um, and then you start to figure it out. Like, Oh, why is this important? Why is it really important to like have this partner in life and find this person that you can bring the best out of them and they can bring the best out of you. And that's this partnership that, that you have. And it just enriches both of, you know, your journeys, if you will, um, through this whole thing and versus if you were to do it alone, or if you weren't to get married and you didn't, establish these long, more robust relationships with a person that you do if you're with someone or committed to someone or have a friend for 40, 50 years, you know, that's different than having these periods of times with probably different relationships that don't go into the depth they need to, you know? So that is, you know, finding somebody who then kind of lets you figure that out and committing to that for a long, a long enough time to grow into something, um, which it has to like learning that lesson of like, Oh, you actually have to, you know, commit and stay with a person to learn if they're the right person with you yeah, right? uh, <laughs> and for you. And, and yeah, then I'm glad that that happens. I'm glad we evolve as humans to like be more adult and, you know, leave yeah. the, some people leave the fucking churlish, <laughs> the churlish things behind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's cool. It changes. Yeah. It changes the why. Like yeah, to yeah. your question, I don't want to negate that. Um, I yeah, I think it like it feeds into the last piece. Like I, if you're motivated by something else, you know, we all have children, but like we're motivated by each other, love for each other, you know, our families, and then and that's that's you you sort of realize what that means more and more as you get older. Um, then your why is, yeah, it just, she just adds to that. Like, you know, again, my parents, my sister, my extended family, like, okay, she's added into that. 
Now I lose my job. What of it? Like I, I have to then, you know, it's motivating to like, okay, I have to do something about this now, but like, who cares if it's in the NBA or whatever, I just need to do something to be an adult, like to support Mm -hmm. these people, um, and keep this thing going. So, um, so yeah, it's, yeah, it's a more motivating piece. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thanks, man. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's beautiful. Honestly, it's it's been a pleasure talking to you. You, yeah, you know, I love you, my friend. Guys, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and and go Grizz, man. They're looking sharp. I saw John looking good yesterday. You know? I tell you, man, the, the Beale Street Bears coming for oh. the league this year. Okay. Ooh, okay. We'll see. We'll see. Is there anything we can plug for you? Any any social media, any any products you're working on, anything we can plug for you while you're on here? Or, or... Man, um, you guys ever heard of Advocare? No. Oh. <laughs> it's a pyramid scheme. It's a pyramid scheme. No, I, was gonna, <laughs> I, no, I got nothing, man. Uh, cool. You know, I'm on the old gram, but okay. I actually don't. I think it's Chris underscore Chase. Yeah, yeah. It used to be Coach Chase, but I think it's yeah. it changed yeah. it, right? I think I got it. yeah. Something. Yep, it is. Underscore Chris. Underscore Chase. There you go, guys. So I'll throw some extra. I'll throw some exercise stuff out there. So you know, cool. maybe yeah. about definitely worth a follow. Definitely worth a follow. <laughs> I'll be liking everything. Yeah, yeah. See, positive. Awesome, dude. Thanks a lot, man. We really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you, Chris. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, great. Talk to you guys soon. Later, buddy. That was a great discussion with Chris, talking about his journey from where he started to now where he is with the Memphis Grizzlies. I want to say thank you so much, Chris, for your time. John, where can they find us? Hey, man, you know the drill. They can find us on Instagram. Uh, I am Jay Hunt Trey, B-Cone 7. B-Cone 7, baby. Um, follow us on Spotify, guys. Leave a rating for us as well. Um, we're also going to get the um, YouTube page rolling this week as well. So uh, we just we just posted our, our episode from last week um, on appreciation up there. We will have our full interview with Chris up there this upcoming week. Uh, so you can follow us on YouTube uh, at The Model Mindset, and um, you'll catch all of our stuff there, man. So thank you guys so much for listening. Again, Chris, was an awesome interview. Thank you again, man. Um, and we'll catch you guys next week. Thank you.